Greetings, Honorable Battle Brother. Brother, today we are talking about the Legion like five people at all have talked about ever. The White Scars! Yeah. And their Primarch. Jagged Icon, I mean Genghis Khan, I mean Attila the Hun, <laughs> I mean Genghis Khan! <laughs> so, for those of you, may the Emperor have mercy on you, who are learning the lore through us, we make this joke because... Jagatai Khan, Primarch of the White Scars, literally looks like what Genghis Khan probably imagined that he looked like. Beard and yes. all. Beard and all. He literally was like white. He was Mongolian, the Power Ranger. Like, he is the embodiment of what it takes to be <laughs> Genghis Khan in the 40, in the 30th, 30th millennium. Yes. We're not even in He's the 40th beautiful, millennium beautiful at this point. We're, We're four episodes in. in. <laughs> yeah. Five. Five, Five episodes in. <laughs> okay, let's talk about this Mongolian son of a bitch in all of his gloriousness. Jagat Khan, honored be his name, uh, was the fifth Primarch, the fifth son made by the glorious Emperor of Mankind. Yes. Uh, he was the Primarch of the White Scar Legion, whose uh, strategies uh, are akin to that of a speedster, yes. in that they must go fast. Yes. Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Barry Allen the Flash, uh, and then the White Scars, yeah. in the, the rate of speed, I would say. Yes. Um, the White Scars have... Uh... Okay, so the White Scars... I was I had a point that I was going to make and I forgot it good, so just good, it'll good, come back to good. me. It's going great already. We're doing fine. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, Jagatakan landed on the planet of Chigoris. Um, fun fact, though, we brought this up before. Uh, Fulgrim and Jagadai were supposed to go to each other's planets, so we were supposed to get a fast, a speed-inspired Fulgrim instead of a pretty boy. Uh, and we were supposed to get a hard, gruff, chemical, wasteland Jagged Icon instead of uh, the speedster that we know of today. Right. Um, if the reasoning... No, I did some research on this. Yeah. Uh, the reasoning... I think I said it was Zinch before, or just some weird warp spaghetti. Chaos bullshit, um, I believe you said. It was actually the, um, the, the Laughing God, the Eldar God of Memes. Huh. Uh, yeah. He did that to having a laugh, I guess. <laughs> So that's that's fun. <laughs> Lord knows why, but uh, he did it. Well, so there's that confirmed. I, I feel like that happened because if Fulgrim had landed on um, Mundus Planus or Chagoris, as it is called, it was referred to as both. Um, we would have just gotten yes. Conan the Barbarian. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It's it's for the so, best. It's for the best. I would agree. Yes. So like uh, Anisius had brought up. Uh, he landed on the planet of Chagoris, uh, which was then classified by the Imperial uh, Surveyors as Mundus Planus, which I'm pretty sure just means Big Plane. Yes, it does. That's what that's what the mount that's what the planet was. It was a single continent with some mountains, some oceans, and that's it. And then the rest of it was pretty much just plain. It was, it was very just flat. Flat, <laughs> just flat. <laughs> So the, the dynamics of this planet were interesting when he settled, when he landed on the planet. Um, it, there was a empire that had the technology akin to the Renaissance era, you know, plate mail, uh, primitive firearms, 
still relying on uh, pikemen yes. and uh, plated cavalry. Think um, Imperial China. Imperial China. Yeah. Very good. Um, and this empire was called the Palatine, led by the man named the Palatine. <laughs> um, real naming, real naming conventions in the 30th millennium yeah. must have been very, very one-sided. Emperor Palatine. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, so he, Jagadai Khan was not found by the leader of his planet, however. He was found by a man of the Taos Escars tribe. Uh, in this region called the Empty Quarter, which is essentially where the nomads on the planet lived. Yeah. He was found by a man named Ong Khan. Uh, Khan meaning, uh, Khan uh, originating actually in uh, our human yes. uh, dimension. Yes. Our current timeline, of... uh, meaning king or chieftain. Yes. Um, so the Khan would lead the small tribe, or the large tribe as it were. Yeah. Uh, and then... Uh, that's it was kind of a primitive power structure. Yeah, it was Space uh, Mongolia. It was Space. Except Mongolia. Genghis Khan literally fell from the sky. Yeah, well, I don't know what Mongolians believe if they believe that Genghis Khan fell from the sky or not. I'm not going to comment on that. It may be true. I don't know. No, there's a historical um, context. Genghis Khan did Genghis. As far as I'm aware, and I will look this up as we continue. But brief history aside. Genghis Khan wasn't really believe he like Genghis Khan was very his story is told back before he was Genghis back when he was Tamujin as very from right. humble beginnings okay. where he wrote he was he was essentially born as just he was he was born he was um he was related to the chieftain of his tribe through I believe okay. adoption and over the years, he became more and more powerful, and he united the tribes of the steppes. Very similar. Yes. Very similar. You see very direct inspiration here. Uh, so, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves there. Um, Jagadai Khan uh, would then... So, the the Khan's father, the adopted father, would li would later die yes. in a raid by a, by a rival tribe. Yes. And this tribe, uh, while being re re relatively powerful... Uh, was no match for a Primarch, yes. even a baby one. So we see this kind of trend where the Primarchs avenging their fathers or just doing their job, yeah. doing their thing, uh, do this thing where they kill every single <coughs> last member of the rival yes. uh, entity until they are ground into dust. <laughs> we saw this with the, with the lion. We saw this with... Um, Perturabo... Fulgrim not like, real. Fulgrim not so much yeah. because Fulgrim was a prissy little pretty boy. Yeah. Um. So not a whole lot of uh, tension there. Yeah. But it's a trend we're going to continue to see. Yes. So upon slaying every man, woman, and child in this murderous, re re revenge-driven, crazy frenzy, um, the Khan decapitated the enemy leader mm -hmm. and presented his head to his men. As you do. As you do. Um. So, the Khan would continue to do this from tribe to tribe, right. and he would slowly and surely unite the steppe right. under his banner. He became Jagadai Khan, yeah. or the Khan of Khans, yeah. the Khagan. Yes. Uh, and he would basically declare war against the other uh, entities on this, uh, on this planet, yeah. and he would go forth with his, uh, with his I, I was going to say Mongolian, 
with his horde of cavalry. Yes. And he would grind these uh, these empires into dust right. before him. I'd just like to point out, the way it's set up, it's like he was part of a minor he was part of a minor tribe. There were bigger tribes. But at the end of the yeah. day, um, they were basically just king of the random flat they were just king of the flatlands. And so yeah. his plan essentially once he united all of the people of the flatlands really I don't it just seems no the thing I was going to mention before was how the <clears throat> the fandom article f phrases this as follows um, from then on after the previously mentioned grinding to dust of the Kuraed the enemy tribe who killed his adopted father he swore to end the infighting and unite everyone of bring peace to the empty quarter after he had then he after he had essentially ground the enemy tribe to dust and burned their burned their yurts to the ground he then proceeded to repeat this process throughout the entirety of the empty plains of this giant singular continent and taught everyone peace by grinding yeah. all of the non-peaceful people into dirt. And I mean, that's a that's that, that there is credit to that line of thinking. Either you accept my way of living, and this is important. This is very important for later later in this episode. Yeah. It's either you accept my truth, or you fall as my enemy. Yeah. You're either one of us. Or you're none of us. You're fucking dust. Your bones will fucking line the walls of my your, bone throne. Yes. I don't know where I was going with that. Bones for the bone <laughs> Skulls throne. Skulls for the skull throne. <laughs> Jagatai Khan, the, the lesser chaos god. <laughs> he might be, I don't know. <laughs> so, continuing on with our merry journey, uh, Jag and I would meet several friends along this, uh, along this conquest of the steppe and of the rest of this planet, including uh, uh, territory Terra 2 guy, Usagi. I just, Usagi is what is the only important. He, he was, he would later become Chief Storms here. Okay. Uh, Cheng Za and Hasisk. Um, all of these would become uh, very influential members of the White Scars Legion. Right. Um, so, the ultimate conflict would come with the Palatine Empire, and the massive horde would line outside the, the capital city, and they said, either surrender and bring me the head of your ruler or I'm going to destroy this city and kill everybody inside of it. And then the people opened the gates, welcomed the Khan as their new leader, <laughs> and presented them with the head of the emperor, with the Emperor Palantine. And there concludes the conquest of Chagoris. Uh, it took like 20 years uh, of just riding horses around, which is cool, I guess. Yeah. Um, but eventually Jagadai Khan... Uh, became king of uh, Chagoris. Right. This did not bode well for... He didn't like this. He was nomadic, yeah. and his men were mainly nomadic. Yeah. Uh, and they did not like the idea of ruling cities. Yeah. They were not conquerors. Yeah. They didn't they, like having to hold things. Right, because that's not yeah. the way they were raised. That's not their lifestyle. Yeah. That's not um, even what they had to do when they were conquering the rest of the empty wastes. Exactly. They would just kind of assimilate other traveling groups of people into their own. Right. Also. And I feel like this was also a, uh, uh, an issue that 
uh, in real Mongolian history yeah. um, that they faced because they weren't used to once they made it into Kievan Rus and uh, Eastern Europe they were coming across people in giant castles and they didn't want to hold giant castles yeah. that's not who they were yeah and so that's part, um, that is part of why the golden the original golden horde of Genghis Khan broke up Right, exactly. They, it was. It yes. wasn't. There wasn't enough momentum to stable to stabilize it. Yes. Also, I just want to point out that the Khan found the Palantine found out about the Khan because the Khan because the Palantine's son was leading a hunting band and they caught the, they caught Jagatai and then the only thing that came back was the head of the son of the head of the emperor's son and a note saying. Um, I am the captain now, in so many words. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so amazing. that is how, that's how the Khan and the Palantine Empire started fighting. And so the Palantine that's Empire, great. as I'm reading from the wiki, the Palantine Empire was not equipped to fight them because the, because the white, the horde of, the horde of Jagatai was, ba was made to fight in like, mobile style attrition warfare where basically right. they ran the Palantine army around the wasteland being able they would survive off of the land and off of their stored food and skirmishes and the Palantine Empire was unaccustomed to this because again big fort like we, yeah. we stay in a fort we wait you out and so eventually that's how they were able to destroy the Palantine's army almost to the last man and then at that point, that was when Jagatai was crowned the Kagan, and that right. was when he marched his giant army to the grant to the palace of the Palantine, and was like, "Give me the head of the Palantine, or I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna do what I did to your army and what I did to all the people who didn't side with me before to you." And they cut the Palantine's yep. head off and gave it to him on a spike. Yep, very very violent. Yes, but. Not on telling for this setting. Yes. So, luckily, they would not have to hold this planet for very long because roughly six months after they finished conquering the planet, uh, the Emperor arrived in his giant gold everything. <laughs> because giant, remember, giant shiny space jihad. Exactly. The Great Crusade was kicking off at this point, yeah. and... Um, the white the blah, 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 blah. the emperor was uh, keen to find his lost sons and he found jagged eye um, now while we're talking about jagged eye and the emperor meeting uh, let's talk about the his legion and what they were up to right um, so they were originally called the star hunters right isn't that fun <laughs> because guess what they would hunt the stars. <laughs> Good one, Emperor. Very good. Um, they were basically uh, the Emperor's, the Imperium's pathfinders. Right. They would explore, they would look, they would uh, scout out. They were advanced scouts. Um, they were advanced scouts. And this is what they did. They broke off into tiny clusters, and they pretty much just went in different directions. And it was, um, you know, kind of, you could see the Gene Seed kind of playing a role there. Yeah. Because Jagadai himself... That's what he wanted to do. Yeah. He wanted to explore. That's what he was a scout. He was an outrider. Yeah. He was, he wasn't a march and file yeah. army. 
like every other legion at this point. Yeah. Um, so the Emperor would find uh, Jagadai along with um, Horus. Uh, Horus would be the first Primarch to meet Jagadai Khan, and they would kind of bond. It was the only, the Horus was really the only Primarch that Jagadai Khan felt, uh, felt comfortable around uh, because they they both had similar interests. You know, the White Scars and the Luna Wolves were both very attack-driven. Yeah. They liked the ceaseless onslaught that happened in a, uh, in a dead charge. Yeah. You know, they, they found a kinship in this. Yeah. Uh, and Horus, obviously, was the Emperor's charisma. Yeah. So, of course, they liked each other. Um, so, so, if Jagatai Khan... Well, no, if Horus is the Emperor's charisma... And the lion was the emperor's pride, and Fulgrim was the emperor's perfectionism, and Perturabo was one half of the emperor's creativity and his social and his lack of understanding and connection to the little people. Then Jagatai Khan was what his desire to go out and see and conquer new things. His desire to, uh, his ambition to explore. Uh, I would. I, I'm. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but from what I gather, no one's a hundred percent on anything. This is forty k. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what I would say. Is his um, adventuring? Yeah. You know, the Warhawk lived a very adventurous life. Yeah. He strove um, to be, you know, a, a warrior king. You know. Yeah. Not exactly, but you know what He's I mean. Like, I want to go out and see and conquer a bunch of new stuff. There's has the to be more. The beautiful savage. Yeah. The beautiful savage, I would say. Yes. And that's what the Khan embodied. Yes. Um. So, at the time of their meeting, the Emperor and, and Jagadai Khan, um, Jagadai Khan knew he had a choice. It's either he joined the Emperor and upheld the Imperial Truth, or he got ground to dust. This was not an easy decision to make because Jagadai Khan is not a servant. Yes. He does not uh, he does not placate himself before other people. He is a master. He is an independent force. So he when is the, the emperor one who says, asks people to be crushed. Exactly. He isn't the crushed. He isn't the one underfoot. Yes. So when the emperor basically demands this he you know Jagadai Khan was kind of like, I don't want this, but I know if I say no, I'm going to die and all of my friends are also going to die. There is no, there is no negotiating. This is either a vassal or you're dead. Yeah. And this was very off-putting for Jagadai Khan. So, only like a couple of weeks or months after this engagement, um, the Emperor put him in charge of his legion right away. Yeah. Uh, this was un unheard of because there was always like an adjustment period with Primarchs. Uh, and there was always like time to like adjust the, to the Imperial truth yeah. and uh, to know your men, to lead them. Yeah. Jagadai Khan didn't give a fuck. He said, put me in charge of my men right now. And then the Emperor did. But first his men had to be gathered. Yes. Because they were off in different sections of the universe exploring for the for the Imperium, and 
So time passed, the White Scars assembled, or the Star Hunters assembled on Trigoris, and through a ritual ceremony of cutting yourself, yeah, Scar, yeah. White, Scar, yep. Scars, get it? Yes. Good. Uh, they became the White Scars. Yep. yep. Stupid. Whatever. Yeah. I don't care. Well, um, it's actually really cool. Also, brief question. Um, Jagatai Khan did not, was not spawned with a jet bike, correct? Correct. He rode around on a horse. He rode around on a horse. It was a limited, limited fucking technological world that Chagoras was. <laughs> so they just, what, grew him, they vat grew him a giant horse? <laughs> no, no, I mean, he didn't land, I, that's a good point. Because what <laughs> I'm saying, did they find a he's Jagatai Khan, he has to, his whole... He rode around on a horse for the entirety of his campaign, if not several horses. But, so it has, that raises a question, what kind of fucking horse is big enough to carry a, how big is Jagatai Khan again? Large, like 12 feet. A 12 foot tall, 800-ish pound dude with armor and a big sword and a bow and all that other fancy stuff. Yeah. That's a good question that I never thought of, nor do I want to think of. Moving on. <laughs> so, the White Scars would uh, obtain this uh, not-so-nice um, connotation to them, right. that they were savage. Right. Even even way into the Siege of, uh, Siege of Terror, right. at the end of the fucking Horus Heresy, like, three centuries after the White Scars were were like initiated right. they were still called savages because they came from a, a nomadic lifestyle this was very very stupid they were not savage sure they were brutal i have there is a difference yeah. between savagery and brutality and barbarism so and fucking being brutal so here's my here's a thing that i noticed after reading so the white scars also had this thing where they would focus on in their off time, aside from, you know, grooming their excellent moustaches, they would also yes. write poetry. They write poetry yes. and songs and engage in singing. Yep. Like, you know, regular people would do. Yep. Compared to, I don't know, the Space Wolves, who basically just get into giant drunken shit fests. The world leaders. Who are just kind of, they don't really have days off. Because no, time where they're not fighting is just time where they're just time. screaming at each other at maximum volume. <laughs> yeah. Probably in yeah. Greek. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, they had this uh, built reputation as uh, uh, barbarians, and they were they were a kid. They were likened to the world eaters and the space wolves. Um, but this was untrue. They were more deliberate. They were more uh, caring. Yeah, they were um, more. They were more like people and not like cartoon caricatures of the, not just like not just big red or blue angry men. Right. They were where the space the space wolves were formed by. Like, the Space Wolves are formed around Lehman Russ's army raiding party, frat, frat party group thing. And the World Eaters were formed out of uh, all the people that Angron hated because they weren't his actual friends. Yeah. Compared to the White Scars, which were formed essentially as a 
just a straight up tribe of people, just like a tribal army. So yeah. there's like you know, they were they were initially like they were in like the white scars were unified in a tradi- in the traditions of the planet that Jagatai Khan. We can assume that that was the tradition that he did the ritual that he performed with his with uh, with the various groups of the star hunters was the ritual that he would perform when he would unify a tribe that he would annex in when back when he was taking over the empty wastes so there would be like a different kind of connection between the white scars and the space wolves right there's my tangent for the evening okay so um let's talk about uh, his relationship with other Primarchs and the White Scar's relationship with other Legions. Right. Um, so obviously, like I mentioned before, him, the Khan, and Horus got along yeah. quite well. Uh, that means, you know, the White Scar's and the Little Wolves mm-hmm. shared some uh, some kinship. Yeah. Uh, and surprisingly enough, uh, the Khan and Magnus the Red also got along kind of well. Um, Not super, super well. Yes. Because... Uh, Magnus was a nerd, right. and who wants to hang out with nerds when you're Genghis Khan? <laughs> That's true. But they also uh, like space, they both have space wizards that they think are Yes, cool. we are going to talk about that next, for sure. Yes. Um, one person he did not like, two people he did not like, uh, were Mortarian mm-hmm. of the Death Guard, and Lehman Russ of the Space Wolves. So... The Khan and Mortarian did not get along. Uh, one of the reasons for this was uh, the White Scar's utilization of space wizardry, right. of warp spaghetti. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk about that in a moment, though. Uh, he did not like Lehman Russ because he was a savage, brutal, yeah. a brute with no moral code whatsoever, yeah. as Lehman Russ was the Emperor's executioners. Yes. Um... So, let's talk about Space Wizards. Yes. So, within the White Scar Legion, there were um, Space Wizards, let's just call them. Yeah. Uh, they were called Stormseers. Yeah. And these Stormseers were literal Space Wizards. They harnessed the power of the warp, mm-hmm. um, which they knew to be the warp, I might add. Right. They understood they were the only ones out of all of these motherfuckers who understood that the warp was full of demons that will eat your fucking soul. <laughs> None of these other sons of bitches understood this. And this would kick them in the ass repeatedly at the end of this. Who? The, like, so... All of them! Okay. Fucking Magnus, fucking Wolf King Fenris boy, <laughs> fucking Lorgar, all of them. So, I would like to point out that... It's, I feel like it's also like a thing of... It's a cultural thing. Where yeah. the Stormseers are not really wizards so much as they are shamans. Because yeah, they're based I mean, off of like... Well, the Rune Priests are technically shamans, but I feel like... Yes. But the the, the Stormseers understood where their power came from. Yeah. They didn't lie to themselves and say that it came from their fucking planet. Yeah. That they were harnessing the elemental powers of Fenris. Yeah. Because that's what the Rune Priests said, yeah. and they were dead fucking <laughs> So, yes. There's the big one. Because once... There's yeah, the big there's one. There's the big one. Because once they understand... Because once you understand that you're working with horrible warp spaghetti demons, 
then you kind of end up being a little more responsible about it. Yes. And now is a good time to actually mention. So, these Stormseers walked the path of... Uh, they. It was like the path of heaven, they called it. Right. Where they knew the limits of their power, right. and they wouldn't dare extend beyond this because they understood that there are things lurking in the warp right. that will eat my face. Um, other legions, however, did have similar ideas when it came to their librarius or their space wizards, whatever they called yeah. them. The librarius of the Dark Angels followed the hexanamogram, he- hexagrammaton, yes. whatever that word Big fancy shape of a jig. Yeah, that, from that episode we had before. Go listen to that if you haven't already. Yes. Um, so they would walk like this weird path. They would literally walk themselves out of like a conniption fit. Yeah. If they felt overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, what else am I thinking of? Oh, the, the Psychers of the Thousand Suns uh, had these things called enumerations where they basically put themselves into different mantras to control the rage or the turmoil inside of right. them so that they don't get overwhelmed in utilizing the warp. Right. Uh, or the Great Ocean, they called it. Cause they all call it something different. Cute. Yeah, they're all a little different. Yeah. Ah, uh, that was the, 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 that was the Librarius rant. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, while we're talking about the Librarius and the Storm Seers, let's talk about the Council of Nikea, which we have not addressed yet. Yes. So the Council of Nikea uh, was basically a giant conference that the Emperor held. Uh, it was essentially the trial of Magnus the Red. Yes. What it came down to. But its original purpose was to determine whether or not uh, Psykers had a place in the Legionis Astartes, in the Space in the Space Marine Legions. Uh Obviously, it was a it was a fucking rubber stamp kangaroo court. They all knew that the emperor was going to say they aren't allowed fucking stop using the warp because the emperor knew, without telling anybody, that the warp was going to be the downfall of humanity. The white scars and the Khan did know this though, and they the Khan argued with the emperor ad nauseum about how you can't live, you can't not tell people what's happening with the warp, with chaos, because the Khan understood this. Yeah. He knew what was happening. So by not telling people, you were living a lie. Yeah. And that lie set you apart as a liar, and therefore not worthy to follow. Who would willingly follow a liar? Mm-hmm. And this is a legitimate point. I have one better. Okay. So, the reason Jagatai Khan set himself, like, because... They because once Jagatai Khan and the Stormseers understanding what where they draw their power from, how it works, how to control it, how to talk yourself, how to essentially meditate yourself out of it. That's something that can only come with exposure to it. It's not as opposed to Magnus, who as we who if you if you so we know so at this point the council we so. The Council of Nikea ends basically with the Emperor saying, "No, chaos is bad. Stop that shit." Except uh, Mag, it's basically Magnus. Stop that shit. The rest of you do whatever. You're not. Yeah. It's fine. So Magnus, <laughs> being I mean, a not nerd, really, but yeah. <laughs> Magnus, being a nerd, is like, "You can't tell me what to do. I'm going to go do all the research." And so that's when he starts dabble. That's when he starts dabbling with real interdimensional warp fuckery. And so, comparatively. If the emperor 
had allowed, had been more, say, restrictive, as opposed, instead of just being like, no, it could be like, yes, but. And so if there had been just a little bit of succession, you could chaos, like, the use of warp ma- the use of warp magic being regulated and studied and controlled and having multiple fail safes and understanding based on what we know works and what we know doesn't work and we make this kind of we regulate the we regulate the warp fuckery so as to ensure right. that the warp fuck that so as to ensure that the warp fuckery does not go out of control by prohibiting it entirely so basically what i'm saying is Jagatai Khan and the Stormseers, knowing how chaos if everyone knows how they're where they get their chaos magic from, how to control it, how to stop it, then it would have prob things probably would have gone a little better. Yes, things definitely would have gone better. Yes. Prospero would still so, be here. Prospero would not be a burning wreck. <laughs> okay. So we're saying, you know, he disagreed with the Emperor about lying. Yeah. He would fail the kinship to Horus. He didn't like being a servant. Right. So we're saying all these things, and you're probably thinking to yourself, so these guys are traitors, right? They they turned away from the Emperor the first chance they got, right? Well, I think they would have. If Jagadai Khan was a little more realistic. So let me explain what I mean by this. Jack and I kind of live by a very strict code of honor. Right. Very strict code of honor. And by pledging himself to the Emperor, he was the Emperor's guy. Like, till his death. Despite what he, the reservations he had and the, the secrets he shared about not wanting to be, mm-hmm. he had to maintain. He didn't... He saw the use of chaos as extremely dishonorable right. and would never ally himself to people who utilize it as a weapon. Right. So, we're saying all this, what happened to the White Scars during the Horus Heresy? So, there was a massive battle at a planet called Kalf that we'll talk about when we get to the Ultramarines or the Wordbearers. I can't remember which comes first, so it's going to be the Ultramarines because they're the 13th Legion, right. or Lorgar is the 17th. Right. Um, so, we'll get to that then. But, the, the the result of this giant battle was a giant warp storm uh, that separated most of the... It pretty much cut the galaxy in half. Right. And you could not communicate through this warp storm at all. Or, it was like garbled. Yes. It, it wasn't really getting through it. So while this... Uh, they called it the Ruin Storm. Uh, while this Ruin Storm uh, was descending upon the galaxy, uh, and the heresy revealed itself to be a thing um the white scars were just getting garbles they were just getting little bits of information most of it was wrong uh and you know they wasn't there wasn't a clear answer right uh all they heard though was that russ attacked magnus and burned prospero to dust and that uh, apparently uh Either Russ was a traitor, Horus was a traitor, Magnus was a traitor. He had no fucking clue. He was getting all of this information. Yeah. All of his white noise, and he could not tell what was happening. So, Horus 
communicated with Jagadai, saying you need to you need to bring uh, the Wolf King back in line. You need to bring my judgment as War Master. I'm telling you to put the the wolves back in line after the result of Prospero. Right. And Khan did not want to do this without knowing what he was walking into. So he found the Space Wolves fleet after the Battle of Prospero. After the fucking slaughter of Prospero, I should say, because god damn, After the glassing of Prospero. Exactly. Uh, so he found the fleet of the Space Wolves in open combat with the Alpha Legion. And fucking... Jack and Akon was like, what, 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 what's going on? He didn't know who, who to fire on, who to position themselves with. And the Alpha Legion obviously sensed this. So the White Scars Legion positioned themselves at a location. And on the edge of the system, the Alpha Legion was coming into the system. Right. So the White Scars fleet was positioned, and across the system edge... They see the the Alpha Legion coming in piecemeal. Yeah. Two two cruisers, one ship, two ships, kind of arranging a fleet. Yeah. And they didn't know what was happening, so they kind of just stalk towards the Alpha Legion, and the Alpha Legion kind of counter stalk, <laughs> and they both kind of move towards each other, and he didn't know what was happening, and. This kind of continued for a while until the Alpha Legion made themselves known. So, in uncharacteristic two, move, the Alpha Legion so made a play. We could talk about that in the Alpha Legion episode, or should we talk about it now? How relevant, how how important would it be if we t- talked about it now? So, kind of relevant. Not really, because it's really more about a character piece and a theory that's been going around. So let's save that for the Alpha I guess Legion we'll get, episode, then. Yeah, we'll get it to the Alpha Legion Basically, some kind the Alpha of Legion. Yeah. The uh, Alpha Legion fired on the White Scars, and the White Scars basically fucking like a, a sea of minnow, yeah. uh, a... Uh, whatever, a shoal of minnow. Yeah. Scatter. Yeah. Uh, they fire, they fire, they, they fight, they fight, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, now, uh, Jack and I knew where people stood. Yeah. He got a communication from te- from Rogel Dorn saying, you need to come back to Terra now to help defend the throne world against those motherfuckers who are coming to burn it down. Right. So, it went on, the horse heresy went on, the White Scars would um, harry and harass the uh, the demons of the Ruin Storm and the Traitor Legions making their way back to Terra. Yeah. So, we're skipping over a little bit, but they eventually made it back to Terra for the siege. Before the siege kicked off. And they stood with Rogel Dorn, and later on Sanguinius would also come. Right. Uh, as the defenders of the planet. So, excuse me. So, you could see kind of the siege of Terra, right? Yeah. You know it was a giant fuck-off siege. Mm-hmm. Perturabo and the Iron Warriors would be the vanguard against 
uh, Rogel Dorn and his Imperial Fists. And these two forces would kind of teeter back and forth. Where you don't really see fitting into this picture are the Horse Lords of Chagoris. Because they obviously like open combat. Yeah. They like uh, strike and fade. Yeah. They like uh, delaying and harassing yeah. and skirmishing. There's not much room for that inside of a uh, siege. Yeah. So they kind of did it wherever they could. Um, there was a part in, I'm going to say it's the first wall, one of the novels in the Horse Heresy, um, where the Mechanicum, the Dark Mechanicum, is setting up siege uh, works right. outside of the first wall. Right. Outside of the... Uh, and um, the Khan said, I'm going to go attack that, Dorn, okay? Cool. And Dorn was like, wait, um, don't do that. And the Khan was like, cool, yeah, I definitely won't do that. I'm going to go do that. And he, he he rode out with, like, a third of his legion, which is, like, honest to God, like, 30,000 men. And he just struck at this fucking thing. They, like, flew over it. It was cool as shit. If you, don't, if you haven't read the book, please read the book, because goddamn was it described in a cool way. Um, but they harassed and harried as much as they could. Yeah. Well, and that's what they did yeah. the entirety of the siege, yeah. as far as we know, up to the point where I'm I'm familiar with. Okay. So, personal, personal question, like like personal opinion thing. Wouldn't it be useful yes. if if a siege is being fought? Wouldn't it be useful to have an army that essentially goes and just harasses, like. Perturabo and just Perturabo orbital dropping giant ass forts. Wouldn't it be useful to have a um, like a mobile detachment showing up and just kind of throwing shit at the forts and disrupting the forts? So that way you can destroy, you can pound at them with um, artillery cannons. Absolutely, and that's sort of what was happening um, to a limited degree. Right. The reasoning why the white scars weren't utilized to their full potential was because they did not have the manpower. To just throw shit at at the enemy. Yeah, the enemy literally numbered in the countless because of the Neverborn, because of the demon allies. Right. You had a very finite amount of men during the siege of Terra, and there they could not spare risk to have men on of, the outside of the walls. Yeah, they couldn't exactly. spare skirmish fights with a fort, which is why Jagatai right. Khan, of course, leads contingents of like a third of his whole army. To go do one yep. thing. Yep. Just like... It was cool as shit, alright? <laughs> just like... That's what matters. Just... Rogel, I'm going to go strike that... Dar I'm going to go strike the artillery base. No. Don't do that. And you just hear... <laughs> off in the distance is 30,000 motorcycles. <laughs> just go screaming Mad Max style toward it. As like... Rogeldorn is standing there. They're, they're already halfway there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but... Like I said, they did uh, launch a, uh, a significant amount of hit-and-run strikes. Yeah. They just weren't utilized to their full potential, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, they... Once the siege was over, they obviously took part in the Great Scouring. Um, because when does a hunter ever let his prey get away? Remind me again what the Great Scouring was? I'm not sure if we talked about that. So, once the, um, once the battle was over, once the siege was over, right. and the Siege was lifted by the Lion, uh, the Wolf King, and um, 
whoever else was Rogaldorn? No, no, no. Uh, Gilliman. Uh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Gilliman. <laughs> uh, once the siege was lifted by them, the Great Scouring was the event that took place where the remaining legions uh, basically punched the traitor legions so hard in the face they flew back to the Eye of Terror. Oh. And it was basically them harassing them and fighting with the traitor legions until they were pushed into the eye of terror huh. i believe we may you may have like mentioned that in passing of how like the iron warriors were sent to medrangard and how yes, like, the exactly. fate of the two chaos legions we've spoken of already but we haven't really talked about the great scouring right and that's pretty much what that was. okay the great scouring was basically just just the throw the equivalent of throwing rocks at them until they run back home yeah. Pretty much. Uh, and most of the rocks hit them in the face perfectly. Yes, because they're primals. Right. <laughs> so, I believe... So, the horse heresy, done. Arch-traitor was dead. Yeah. The emperor was entombed on the golden throne. Right. This we know. Yes. Um, so, a couple years after, um, the White Scars begrudgingly accepted uh, robo Gilly Boys, Codex Astartes, and the chapter split into chap uh, and the legion split into chapters. Right. Um, we'll talk about successor chapters in their own dedicated episode. Uh, the white scars kind of fell from relevance after this point. Right. Um, except unfortunately, except the disappearance of Jacket Icon. Yes. So, so uh, upon returning to um, Chagoras, I think this was like seventy years after the end of the Horus Heresy. Yeah. About. Um, the White Scars uh, returned home to find everybody dead and gone, and they didn't know what the fuck happened until they saw the Drakari, the Dark Eldar, and retreating with a shit ton of slaves. And Jagadai, not very happy, fucking suicide rushed into a warp portal to fight these fuckers on his own terms because he had the balls to do so. <laughs> Um, Jagadai would fall into the warp, into the webway, excuse yes. me. Yes, it's, it's uh, legally distinct which, from the warp, so that way the elves don't get super raped by Slanesh. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, he would basically fall into the webway, disappearing forever. Yes. Not being heard of or seen of since. Um... The the most prominent theory is that he is alive and well. Yeah. And that he is uh, currently running circles around the Drukari <laughs> in com in Kamara yeah. and in the webway. Yeah. Uh, just fucking with them the yeah. whole time. Because because who would do better at at fucking pursuit tactics than Jacket Icon yes. himself? Because you have to understand, we haven't talked about the Dark Elves yet, but an essential tactic of the Dark Elves is hit and run. And Jagatai Khan is also good at hit and runs. So it's entirely possible to assume that Jagatai Khan is running around on what is essentially the ultimate super monster truck jet chopper, wielding a sword, yeah. cutting elves in half, and on a giant Mad Max style motor space motorcycle fight through the literal infinite void. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and doing quite well yes. on his own. Um, the White Scars would um, pretty much, you know, I don't think there's been any written pieces about the White Scars specifically in the 41st millennium, 
or the current setting. Right. Um, but it is very strongly hinted at that the that the Khan is still alive and that he will be returning at some point. Um, I was sharing with Anisius before the, the starting today um, how most likely he is probably the second or third Primarch that will be returning. Uh, after the, uh, the Lion, most likely, uh, probably Dorn or Corvus Korax, and then most likely the Khan himself. So hopefully we see more from him and his sons. As always, you can never tell with Black Library and Games Workshop because they obviously go where the money is. Yeah. And I don't blame them. Uh, you know, that's the nature of it all. Yeah. Um, but some some new and uh, up-to-date lore about the Khan wouldn't be, wouldn't, you know, kill him. Yeah. But whatever. All four of us White Scars fans would be very all happy. All four of us. <laughs> yes. So, like, yep. if I may offer a brief analysis. Yes, of course. <clears throat> so... I believe the point I was trying... The thing I was going to mention before is uh, how... Was a question having to do with both the Khan and Chaos. Where how... Okay. Corvus, we mentioned in the video discussing the Emperor and the Primarchs, how Corvus becomes a literal fear demon yes. as he runs around in the warp trying to rip Lorgar's head off and eat it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... Would it be safe to assume that, like, at some point, heralding Jagatai Khan's return, there's going to be, like, an ex, like, this kind, like, fleeing Dark Elves, is what I'm saying. Point trying to make. Like, the Eldar have a legend, and that legend starts to manifest <laughs> in chaos as well. Because... So, that's an interesting one. Yeah. Because... I if, don't think so. Okay. Mainly because, um... The Dark Eldar cut themselves off from the warp. Right, right. And therefore, their thoughts no longer in the webway no longer have as much of an impact because they aren't as connected. So, like, yes, there may be, like, like, connotation to Jagged Icon hunting these fuckers down in the warp. Um, But I don't think they're going to perpetuate Jagged Icon into a goddamn, like, fear demon. (laughs) As cool as that would be. Like, just Jagatai Khan shows up as, like, a full half-D, like a, like, a, like a greater prince of Mad Max movies. Right, right. Yeah. That would be cool to see. Yes. Unfortunately, I don't see it happening due to the nature of the, uh, the Drukhari's connection with the warp currently. Right. And lack thereof. Okay. Because if they were connected to the warp still, Slash would just fucking snap them out of existence yeah so one more thing about the uh the storm seers because i completely forgot about them and how they they're the only ones who know how their powers work right and um why is it that if this why is it so it's assumed at this point that the thousand sons at least understand that their powers come with the effect of vomiting demons so no what not really huh so i don't think the thousand sons believed that there were malignant and malevolent forces in the in the war okay i think that they they literally called it the great ocean i think they literally thought it was an ocean right 
in which, and in meaning that there was nothing purely evil about it. It was just nature. Right. It was just things surviving. So the Thousand Suns use these things they call tutelaries. Tutelaries? Okay. Tutelaries? Tutelaries. Where, that's the word. Um, where they were literal demons that they summoned into the material. Right. That they thought were like servants. Well, fun fact, they weren't. They were fucking demons. And during the Battle of Prospero, their demons would possess them when they fell out of their enumerations. So, fun fact, Thousand Sons, they were fucking demons. <laughs> so, I feel like the different interpretations see it like the Thousand Sons and the, uh, the Thousand Sons and the Stormseers kind of interpret the concept of quote unquote the Great Ocean differently. Yes. Where it would be like the Thousand Suns interpreted as like a great calm, placid ocean with like there's stuff swimming in it, but it's not really dangerous. Or as yeah. the Thousand Suns being from a big flat plainsland feral world for the most part, being like nomad tribesmen understand that like there's never nothing out there. There's always yeah. something out there, and sometimes that something is bigger and hungrier than you are. So it's like... And it will fuck you to death. Yes. So it's like the metaphorical understanding of like... It's a big... Like a... Like... A, of a storm. There's, there's storm seers. They're based around the shaman cultures of the planet. So it's like... So it's less about like... Exploring a great ocean and more like... Harnessing this dangerous thing. And understanding this thing is dangerous. It's very, it's dangerous, it's powerful, but if you use it correctly, you can crush your enemies. Yes. And so that was the, so it's like, that's the interpretation that the, uh, the Storm Seers had of the warp, as opposed to the Thousand Suns who believed in the Great Ocean, and the Rune Priests who believed that that, that the screaming, howling nightmares are just, that's just the soul of the planet, man. Yep, definitely. <laughs> The thing that says I'm gonna fuck you to death. <laughs> it's just, it's just the planet. Planet's a little angry today, yeah. It's kind of cranky. Maybe we need to. Uh, we have not poured enough ale into the nearest canyon. That should fix it. Yes, that should. The fix planet it. needs a drink, bro. Planet, the planet's a little thirsty. Man. Drink up. Top it, drink up. Final. But no, with, continue. With that, I would say that that is the con of cons and the white scars yeah pretty much summed up that's them there's a bunch of they should there there's a lot of uh incident there's a lot of stuff talking about them as like essentially as a so-and-so featuring the white scars yeah that's really about it yeah they're very background players yeah which um, is sad. probably to their own to their own want yeah because I don't want to be in the limelight, that's for sure. Oh yeah. Because uh so, like, you can't really scare your enemies by running by running really fast at them if they're expecting someone to run really fast at them. Exactly. Because that's the essential yes. part of hit and run skirmish warfare. They can't right. know you're coming until you're close enough where they can't stop where they can't get ready fast enough. Exactly. And I do like the the white scars uh, interpretation of uh of fear and death where you should 
laugh in its face and embrace it like a brother. Yeah. That is that I like that message and yeah. you know. It's much better than like every other interpretation of why we fight. Yeah. Cuz yes, every exactly. legion has the why we fight. Yes. The why we fight the white scars is because we're good at it. Because yep. we're good at it and because it's fun. Because it's fun. Because it is fun. Yeah. And that is what life should be. Yeah. Fun. Speaking of fun, next week's episode, the Space Wolves. <laughs> space Wolves are fun. Yep. Now we get to make right? all, now It's cold. Now we get to do the Swedish accent again. Oh, God. Yes. I'm going to randomly use... I'm going to refer to different Space Wolves in like as Ikea furniture. Except for Lehman Russ. <laughs> or Lehman Russ, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. And his desire to drink everyone to death. This this happens. This does happen. Yes. They invented a whole other kind of alcohol because Space Marines can't get drunk. Yep. We will talk about that next time. Yep. So... Thank you for joining us. Always at laugh in the face of death. Ave Imperato. Ave Imperato.